Amen. Lord, would you seek us as we seek you this morning in your word? Hey, I am excited to be with you today. And we have an interesting passage to look at. And so I just want to start by asking you this question. Have you heard the story of Zacchaeus? I bet you have. I bet you know at least a, a little something about him. Pun possibly intended, right? Because if there's one thing we know about Zacchaeus, what is it? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? Almost like he's a leprechaun or something, which he's not. But here's what happens. Sometimes with Bible stories, we get so familiar with them, we write a children's song about them, and they almost become caricatures of themselves. But today we've got the chance to look at a passage in Luke chapter 19 that describes a real event in history, a real moment in time for a real man who met Jesus. And this moment for him was almost three years in the making, even though he didn't know it. And what I think is really interesting as we look at this is for however many times you've heard about Zacchaeus or you haven't heard about him, you know that name or you don't know that name, it's not just a story about Zacchaeus, it's about us too. We were Zacchaeus. That's why we seek out Zacchaeus. We were Zacchaeus. We were in the place that we're going to find him today. That's why we seek out Zacchaeus. This is how Luke records the story in chapter 19. If you want to look it up, uh, follow with me. This is verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So if we were Zacchaeus, who is Zacchaeus? Well, it tells us a couple things in these first few verses. We know that he's from Jericho, and we saw that Jesus was approaching Jericho last week. Now he's passing through, and Jericho was essentially the last stop before Jerusalem. So as Jesus is moving closer and closer to the place where he is going to die and rise again, Jericho is essentially his last stop, and Zacchaeus is essentially the last person he meets before going into that phase of his death and his resurrection. It was kind of like the Palm Springs of the ancient world. So if you could afford to live there or have a vacation home there, you did. And that's where we find Zacchaeus, who's described, yes, as short, but also as rich and as the chief tax collector. Now, that's an interesting phrase because historians are not sure that there was actually an official position called chief tax collector. It's possible that there was. It's also possible that this is an unofficial description of Zacchaeus. As if to say... Take everything you know about a tax collector. They are crooked. They are traitors. They will rip you off and they will keep the extra for themselves. And Zacchaeus is like the chief of that thing. 
He is like the tax collector of tax collectors. If there is one guy who does that tax collector thing, Zacchaeus is the chief of tax collectors. He's the worst of the worst. He is the one that you would all agree is too far gone. And yet, this is the man that Luke introduces us to that it says he sought to see who Jesus was. He sought to see who Jesus was. And I find it fascinating personally that Zacchaeus was not blind like Bartimaeus that we saw last week, at least not physically. He didn't have an issue of blood like the woman we met some chapters ago. He wasn't chained to a rock because of all the demons inside him. He didn't have a daughter who was dying like Jairus did. For all intent and purposes, from the outside, it looks like Zacchaeus is living life exactly the way he intended to, and it's going exactly according to his plan. He is successful. He is self-sufficient. He has power. He has influence. He has control. What do I need God for? And in fact, that's exactly why a chapter ago in Luke 18, Jesus pointed out how hard it is for a wealthy person to get into the kingdom of heaven because there's so many other things that they could rely on besides God. And if you remember when we talked about that, that is all of us. (laughs) Every one of us in this room right now fits in that category. And so does Zacchaeus. And yet there was something in him, something in him that... It doesn't tell us that he even knew what Jesus was teaching. We don't know that he knew anything about Jesus, but he had heard enough, and there was something in him that was seeking to see who Jesus was. Like, everybody else knew what was on the outside of Zacchaeus. You know, anybody on the outside could tell you, well, here's where Zacchaeus has messed up, here's where he's gone wrong, here's all the things he's done that are bad, but there was something in Zacchaeus that said, I've got to see this guy. Is it possible that there's something about this Jesus that could meet something in me that nothing else has. That's where we get the famous part that he climbs the sycamore tree. And you can see here in this picture a sycamore tree near Jericho. They still grow there today. Just a beautiful tree. But this is an awkward moment for Zacchaeus, and we've got to own that. Because for Zacchaeus, you remember when we talked about the the parable of the prodigal son and the father runs out to meet him, and we said that that was highly out of character for a Jewish man at that day to kind of hike up this robe and go running anywhere. Well, Zacchaeus not only runs ahead of the crowd, but climbs a tree too. (laughs) Now, climbing trees is not something grown men do very often. How many of you, the weather was beautiful this week, how many of you just went out and climbed a tree? Well, you are missing out. (laughs) I mean, I remember as a kid, like we had a tree in the backyard where the, the lowest branch was too high to reach, but if you could get that branch, the rest of the tree was golden. So me and my brother, we would tip the picnic table up against the tree, you climb the picnic table to get to that branch, get as high as you want, and now you can see everything from here. But if you saw me do that today, you would say, at at the very least, this is awkward, and he's probably gonna hurt himself, (laughs) right? But I want you to own that. Think about this moment. This is awkward. This is risky. This is embarrassing for Zacchaeus. And this is worth it. So I wonder, like if you and I think about this for ourselves, what makes you climb a sycamore tree? Where is it that you find that you have come up short? You know, Romans 3 tells us that we all have fallen short of God's glory. And while for some it would be obvious on the outside to be able to tell where Zacchaeus, where that had happened, well, he's a cheat, he's a liar, he's a thief. That's true, he's come up short in those places. But often there's even more going on underneath the surface. 
You know, for some of us, maybe even just coming to Horizon, that is you climbing a tree. You know, coming to a group study here, or talking to somebody here, or a friend you know, saying, I feel like I've come up short in my marriage. You know, maybe there's something you've done, or something you didn't do, and you feel like you're coming up short. You know, maybe it's an area that you've been trying to trust God, but you keep turning back to leaning on yourself. You know, sometimes maybe it's not the first time you met Jesus, but after meeting him, there's some part of life that you're still holding on to that actually me and God would agree about this thing, that this is not good, but I'm going to fix it. Until you realize you just can't fix it. And you're coming up short. Maybe you've been battling anxiety or depression and you keep just trying to think positive thoughts, but you're coming up short. Maybe there are places of doubt or questions, unforgiveness, or maybe like Zacchaeus. Like, you're miles ahead in every place in life, successful, self-sufficient, and yet it still just feels like you're coming up short. And so you're climbing that tree to say, I wonder if Jesus. Like, if I could just read a little bit more of this, if I could just understand a little bit more of who God is, who Jesus is, I wonder if there's something about Jesus that would be worth seeking for me. You see, that's what Zacchaeus essentially believed. That's why this was worth it to him. Was it risky? Yes. Was it awkward? Yes. Was it worth it? Yes. Because he believed that Jesus was someone worth seeking. I think that's for us too, that we see someone worth seeking when we look at this book, when we talk about God. But here's what's pretty cool about this passage. Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who saw someone worth seeking. Jesus did too. In fact, in verses 4 and 5, this is what it says, that Zacchaeus ran ahead, climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him. But when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him. That Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. I love this. Because think about this moment. Zacchaeus is just trying to see who Jesus is. They have never met before, and Jesus calls him by name. Zacchaeus. Come join the crowd. We're doing our thing. You can come with if you want. No, no. <laughs> Zacchaeus. Man, I got to go to your house. Like, think about the personal invitation that Jesus is offering him, that he saw Zacchaeus as somebody worth seeking. And so that makes me ask myself really two questions. And you can ask yourself too. Do I seek Jesus the way Zacchaeus did? When I find that thing in me where I'm coming up short, am I willing to seek in a way that might be risky, might feel awkward, but might actually lead me to the one who can meet me in the place I come up short? I wish I could tell you I've never needed those moments in my life, but I've had them more than once where I've got this thing and I think I'm going to figure this out and I just can't. And it is an awkward phone call. It is an awkward stop by a friend's house. It is an awkward, hey, hey God, here's this thing that I've been holding on to. Maybe you can help me, God, because I'm certainly not figuring it out on my own. Do I seek Jesus the way Zacchaeus did? And do, what did I just say? Do I seek, yeah, Jesus the way Zacchaeus did? And do I seek others the way Jesus did? 
Because right? that's the next question, right? Is what is our reaction to the people that Jesus is seeking? And I ask that because in verse 7, we see what happened with the crowd around him. It says, when they saw it, they all complained, saying that he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Which is true. <laughs> but here's what's interesting about this word complained. This is only the third time, and it's the last time that Luke uses this word in his gospel. Every time he uses the word complained, it is related to tax collectors and sinners. The first time it shows up is Luke chapter 5 when Jesus goes to the house of Levi, who we know as Matthew, a tax collector. And he has a huge feast at Levi's house with all of his tax collecting friends and the people, it says the scribes and the Pharisees, complain. Then it shows up in chapter 15 when all the tax collectors come to hear what Jesus is teaching. So the scribes and Pharisees complain. But for you and I, before we pick on the scribes and Pharisees too much, I'm reminded that here in chapter 19, when they saw it, they all complained. (laughs) Like the scribes and Pharisees were mad about tax collectors, but when it comes to the chief tax collector, like everybody's mad. So think about this. Here's a question. Who makes you complain? Who, if Jesus was here right now, And he said to all of us, right now, in this room, just a minute, I'm going to spend some time with this one person. Who is this one person that makes you complain? Now, if you ask me, who deserves personal attention from Jesus? Everybody. Jesus is for everybody. That's what I believe. Amen. Sure. And if you were there, stay right there. (laughs) But the reality is, I know in my own heart that there are places where I think of somebody as Zacchaeus. Never mind all my coming up shorts. Did you hear about the way they come up short? And for this person, well, I'm not going to cast my pearls before a swine. (laughs) Right? I give up. I say, that's too much. They're too far gone. Or maybe it's not necessarily one of those big sins, but it's a person that I compare myself with. And I think, why would we spend so much time on a person like that? I mean, think about the the place that Zacchaeus is in compared to the rest of the crowd. He is wealthy. He has power. He has control. He's even been abusing it. Like, if he wants to know about God, he knows where the synagogue is. If he really wants to know about God, he could afford to build one himself. Why are we spending all of this time, all of these resources? You have a whole crowd with you, Jesus. Why Zacchaeus? Because Jesus sees every single person as someone worth seeking. I mean, mean, this is the song we sang, right? Reckless love. That's why it uses that word reckless. Because this seems like a mistake. But Jesus saw Zacchaeus as someone worth seeking. And Zacchaeus receives the invitation. That's another word for us. That we receive Jesus' custom home invitation. And I use that phrase because you'll hear us say that from time to time around here. And I, I love this idea that Jesus has a unique, personal, customized, custom home invitation for every single person. Not just for like special people, not just for a few of us, but for every single one of us. He doesn't just tell Zacchaeus, hey, yeah, we're doing this spiritual stuff. If you want to come along, you can listen in. He says, I want to go to your house. I want some time, just me and you, let's talk together. You know, a personalized invitation for him. 
And if you spend any time around Horizon, you'll find out that's why we're here. Because we want to create comfortable places like Zacchaeus' house where people can meet Jesus. Where people can explore God. Where they can say, I just, I just want to find out who he is. Like, who is God really? Who is Jesus really? And the longer I've been here, if you spend any time around people who have come to know God, you hear these kind of stories, but I just want to share this one with you. Because um, I met a gal a couple of months ago here, but she's been here for about 10 years now. And, and this is a story of her, her custom invitation from God. Because when she first came here, actually before she even came here, um, there's a lot of strife in her family. Uh, essentially, there had been kind of some falling out with, with dad and stepmom and siblings and Everyone had kind of turned on dad, but she really believed that God was asking her to, to take care of dad, to somehow reconcile that relationship as much as she could, especially in his old age. But she's really being torn up by this. And so she had a friend who told her, you know, I think there's a place you need to go. Invited her to come to a service here at Horizon. And so they come to a service. They came to, to the exploring service her first Sunday. And she's sitting in one of these seats right where you're sitting right now. And uh, Kenny and the band get up and they start playing a song that has her dad's name in it. So she kind of does this like, you know, she looks over at her friend. And this, is, this is the word she said that her friend told to her. It's okay. God does this all the time. <laughs> like, how great is that? Like, isn't, isn't that the truth? And, and I'll bet if you're sitting here today, I'll bet you could tell a story like that. You know, I don't know what it was. I don't know how he reached out to you. You know, he found Zacchaeus in a tree. He met Nathaniel under a tree. He saw Peter in a boat. He's been to the house of a Pharisee, the house of a tax collector. Some people he meets on the road. For Saul, who turned to Paul, it took a flash of light. I don't know what it was for you. But here's what I believe. Whether you are here and you've been here for 10 years, or whether you are here for the first time, whether it was a parent who told you about faith, whether it was a friend who helped you ask questions, whether it was just the desire to know what's really in this book, I believe that God invited you here. I believe that Jesus invited you here because he is seeking you too. In fact, that gal who I, I told you I just met her a couple of months ago, I actually met her because her dad passed away. And so I was going to be doing his funeral service. And so she shared this story with me, you know, and we just talked about how incredible it was the way that God had used that to, to really bring her into a life of faith, you know, getting connected to a mentor, into a group study. And we, uh, we buried her dad on Tuesday, and you cannot make this up, the following Sunday, unbeknownst to her, unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to the band, we sang that song again. Only God. And I could tell you five more stories just from last weekend that make me walk down the hallway like, Holy Spirit, how do you do this? <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. And this is what he extended to Zacchaeus. In those verses, he says, I must stay at your house. And Zacchaeus received him joyfully. Now, here's what's pretty wild about this. At that moment... We don't hear a single word of what they talked about while they were in Zacchaeus' home. We don't get a word of that conversation. Luke does like this screen wipe to, to outside where everybody's complaining. And then he does like this time lapse <laughs> to when Zacchaeus and Jesus come back out. 
But we do see what happens afterwards. And this is the part that I mentioned before was three years in the making. In fact, I want to show you every single time that a tax collector shows up in the book of Luke. You can see it on this slide because Zacchaeus is the final time. But if you go all the way back to the beginning of the book, in Luke chapter 3, this is when John the Baptist is preaching a repentance. He says that we need a change of mind and a change of heart that only God can bring. And in that moment, tax collectors show up and they have their lives changed. It is so shocking that the people around John begin to ask, if this kind of thing can happen, is it possible that John is the Messiah? Like if tax collectors' lives are being changed, there must be a God thing happening. Then you fast forward to chapter 5, because chapter 3 was when John handed off ministry to Jesus. Now it's Jesus in chapter 5, as we saw, who meets Levi and becomes friends with him and all of his tax-collecting friends. And this is the first time people complain. (laughs) Because it's one thing to be like John and tell tax collectors what they're doing wrong. But to become friends with them? The real Messiah would never do that. (laughs) right? Except in chapter 7, Jesus owns it. And he refers to himself as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Once again, that is every single person who has ever lived in that phrase. So it's no wonder by Luke chapter 15, even after Jesus has been teaching difficult messages about what it looks like to give up relying on the things of this life, the money of this life, and to focus on eternity, it says all the tax collectors gathered around him. They drew near, it says, to hear what he was saying. And although we don't know what he said to Zacchaeus over lunch, we do know what he said here. It was to this group of people. People who all of society would say had come up short. People who knew in their hearts that they had come up short. That Jesus tells about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And he says that I am the one who seeks And he says how much rejoicing there is over even one person who repents of every way that they come up short, every way that they have relied on themselves, every place that they had failed their own standards, let alone God's standards, and said, I want something different and I want it from Jesus. So in Luke chapter 18, it is Jesus himself who tells a parable about a tax collector and puts these words in his mouth. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A couple weeks ago, Chad explained how that word mercy is unique, only place it appears in this book. And it really means be propitious to me. God, let someone else pay my debt because I can't pay it myself. Be propitious to me, a sinner. And Jesus, as he tells that parable, says, that man went home justified just as if I'd never sinned. It's that same chapter, just one chapter before we meet Zacchaeus, that Jesus also describes how difficult it is for the wealthy to come into the kingdom of heaven. He uses the phrase that it is like a camel going through the eye of a needle. It is impossible. Only here's the really good news. (laughs) Impossible only applies to you and me. Because Jesus said that the impossible is possible with God. And so as Zacchaeus and Jesus walk out from lunch back to the crowd, it is as if to say, let's show them what it looks like when impossible becomes possible. 
And here's what happens. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. He came for the sheep. He came for the coin. He came for the son. He came for every person. And it's every person who has come up short. And notice what it says there. Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Again, this calls all the way back to chapter 3 because John the Baptist said, don't think that you're sons of Abraham just because you have his blood. Right? Just because you are his physical descendants. And he points out in that moment that God could raise up sons of Abraham from these rocks. Isn't that cool that he didn't need to use the rocks because he found tax collectors? Right? And erase that phrase, tax collector, and plug in whatever it is that you think of when you think about how you come up short. Whatever it is that is too painful, even when I ask you to think of it, you say, I don't want to right now. (laughs) Whatever it is that hurts you, that hangs you up, that holds you back, plug that into tax collector. He made a son of Abraham out of somebody just like you and me. Called him by name. And what do we know about Abraham? Well, Romans tells us that Abraham was called righteous by his faith. Because of his faith in God. Zacchaeus went into lunch wondering who Jesus was. You notice here, when he comes out, he calls him Lord. Zacchaeus is now a man of faith. And he demonstrates it. You see, when we find faith in Christ, when we trust him as our forgiver, there needs to be evidence of that change. There needs to be a demonstration that we have given up trusting in ourselves, trusting on things here, trying to fix it ourselves, and we trust in Christ. This is what that looked like for Zacchaeus, and it might for you too. That he said, I'm going to reconcile with others like God reconciled with me. And I'm going to give to others like God gave to me. See, this is the fruit that he's bearing in keeping with the repentance that he's had, the faith that he has found. It's as if he went in self-centered, but he came out others-centered because now he's Christ-centered. Zacchaeus was a man whose whole life was about himself, seeking his own, seeking his own wealth, whatever those pieces were. And now, he's shifted into love, into generosity. He's focused on other people. Now think about this moment for the rest of the crowd. While he's inside, they're complaining. I know Zacchaeus, he ripped me off. Jesus is spending time with that guy? And here's what they might be imagining. Because Zacchaeus had the backing of Rome, he could kind of get away with this stuff. But according to Old Testament law, if Zacchaeus confessed that he had done these things to these people, he would not only have to pay them back, but also give them an extra fifth on top of what he had stolen from them. So you can just imagine people thinking, if only the Messiah would come. Like if the Messiah came and overthrew Rome and he didn't have Rome's authority anymore, then we could drag Zacchaeus to court and I would get my extra fifth. That would be nice. Instead, the Messiah comes 
has lunch with him, and Zacchaeus comes out and says, forget the extra fifth. How about fourfold? Four times over. In a strange sense, it's almost as if he is, he's not coming out with the obligation of the law, but going beyond that into love and generosity that could only come from the heart of God. And think about the shocking proof of who Jesus is that Zacchaeus proves by being generous, reconciling, and giving this way. In fact, back in chapter 7, it actually said that the change in the lives of the tax collectors, it says the tax collectors proved God right. I wonder, who might you be able to, to shock by reconciling with them? You know, maybe somebody where you've been holding on to unforgiveness, but maybe it's somebody that you actually need to ask forgiveness from. You know, maybe there's somebody that you could go like Zacchaeus and say, you know, I met somebody, his name is Jesus, and he's changed me. And I'm sorry for the ways that I've hurt you. And I'd like to do what I can to prove to you that I'm a different person. I'd like to do something for you that would demonstrate God's love to you through me. See, immediately, the man who is seeking Jesus begins to demonstrate to other people who Jesus is. You know, there was a, another gal that uh, just in the last year was baptized here. And she had been raised in a, in a Christ-centered home, parents who tried to instill faith in her. But when she started coming to Horizon, um, she had a conversation with, with somebody here who was helping her understand what faith was. And she said, you know, I'm not sure I ever really understood what it meant to trust Jesus before. And so she put her trust in him, really for the first time. And then she said, you know what? I, I think I need to go talk to my dad. Because through her years of rebellion, and, and, and it had been decades at this point, she realized how much she had hurt somebody who had tried to show her God's love. And so she went back to her dad and she said, Dad, I'm sorry. And they reconciled. And it was the coolest thing, one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen, that it was her dad who baptized her. After all those decades of being split apart, right out here on our terrace. Think about the witness for Christ. The demonstration of the reality of who the Messiah is when our lives are changed. Because this is like, I mean, this moment with Zacchaeus, the closest thing I could parallel it to is like, this is Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas morning. Only this really happened. I mean, he's walking through the streets saying, I'm giving half of it away, of everything I have. I'm reconciling with people, I'm restoring this to people, and I'm giving half of it away to the poor. Like, one thing I love about that, half of it, is that it's not as simple as like, and hey, I'm going to give a hundred bucks to the poor. Big deal, he's rich, that's easy. I don't even think about it in those terms. Right, this is a generous outpouring of the love of God to Zacchaeus. And uniquely to the poor. Now, this is one of those fascinating places where we see when God gets a hold of somebody, think about, you could say, Jesus, why are we wasting time on Zacchaeus? Don't the poor need it more? And Jesus says, everybody needs it more. Everybody does. In fact, when I get a hold of Zacchaeus, he can reach his tax collecting friends. He can reach the poor. Like this will be another person who is in the kingdom, who is helping the kingdom grow. At coffee with friend a couple of months ago, 
actually had invited him to coffee because God's been teaching me a lot about uh, what is helpful to the poor, what is helpful for the homeless. He's really been kind of working that in my heart as something that he wants me spending time and energy on. And this guy had done that a lot. He'd been down to City Gospel Mission a lot, helping serve meals there, mentoring guys there. And so I said, hey, let, let's get coffee. Let's talk. And he told me kind of the journey of his life that early on in his life, he and his wife sat down and they said, what would it take for us to feel like we were financially stable? Like where would we, what number would we have to hit to feel like we're good to go? And they decided if their combined annual income could just hit 100000 they'd be set. So they hit 100000 He says, then once we got there, well, then we sat down and we started to talk. And we said, you know, what if we could just get to 200000 <laughs> You know, was, we could have a little bit nicer stuff. We could have a little bit nicer house. We'd have a little bit more set aside for later, a little bit more for our kids. When they got to 200,000, you probably could see where this story goes. They started to talk about 300,000. They started to talk about 400,000. And, and here's what's funny about this. Research shows there is no magic number. The number is always moving up. I, I think somebody told me last night that there was one study that said your, your happiness, comfort, or, or feelings of safety based on money do not change between 75,000 a year and 75 million. Like, because we're always saying... Well, if I just had a little bit more. <laughs> so here's what was so cool to me. Jesus got a hold of this guy, and he's been getting to know Jesus better and better over the last few years. And so now, at this point in his life, he said, here's what has shifted for, for my wife and I. Now we're asking, I wonder how much I could give away to the poor and the homeless right here in Cincinnati if I could just sell my company for this much. If I could just sell my company for that much. Now hear me, I know that Jesus doesn't always say the same things to everybody in terms of how you apply generosity, how you apply giving, how you apply this love, right? Levi left his tax collector booth behind. We don't have that indication from Zacchaeus. And so my point to you is not everybody go sell everything, but here's what it is. When do you get that time alone with Jesus that you and him can just talk about what it might be for you? And when do you get that time where just you and Jesus can talk and nobody else necessarily knows what happened in there or what you were talking about, but when you come out, something different than before. And maybe it is for that first time. You know, the first time you ever say, Jesus, I want you to be king in my life. Or maybe it's that you've known him for a while, but there's this new thing or, or there's this place you've been hanging on to. Jesus, you're in control of all of this, but this thing, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. And he says, hey, let's talk about that too. And you come out and there's evidence of a change. You know, I think uh, City Gospel is a great place to do that. In fact, I, I did want to mention, you know, they don't just serve meals, which um, I love doing. You can actually go, uh, there's a group from Horizon that goes second and fourth Sundays and fifth Sundays which is today. <laughs> so if you've ever wondered what City Gospel's like or thought about serving a meal, this is like the easiest kind of toe into the water. This is just come and serve a meal on a Sunday night. You can meet right here at 515 and then the team drives over. Um, I'm planning to be there tonight, so you'll know me at least and you can say hi. <laughs> but they also have mentorships. They have job placement stuff. They have classes to teach life skills for these guys. I was taking a tour one time and I go past a whiteboard. As we go by the room, it says, anger management skills 
The next room we go past, it says, understanding the gospel of John. And as I'm taking this tour, I'm starting to think like, like, do I have to be homeless to sign up for these classes? Like, could I come to this too? It's awesome. I mean, you think about the things that are being given to them there, and they need people who can be mentors, who can teach those kinds of classes, um, who can give, who can be a part of serving a meal and getting to know a person. So I just want you to know that that is available. That is a huge thing that Jesus is constantly talking about the poor in this book. But he's constantly talking about the rich, too. And everybody in between who need Jesus this way. And another way that you guys have done that, right here at Horizon, another way that we have been seeking these, these Zacchaeuses, like we are, is that you've heard us talking over the last year, maybe more, about being able to buy new video equipment and creating the opportunity to live stream services, uh, to upload video to our website. Um, And so I just wanted you to know, you need this update. Chad mentioned it last week, but I want to make sure that you hear it, that we have gotten full go, unanimous approval from our board to move forward on that. And so we are buying equipment. We are talking construction. um, We are working on the live video, the streaming, all of that stuff, and an app to watch it on. And the goal is for all of that, if if the timing kind of all falls in place, to be ready to go this summer. And here's why. Because we were Zacchaeus. So we're seeking Zacchaeus. And you know this, right? Services, apps, videos, don't seek anybody. People seek. And God seeks people. It is the friends that you invite. It is the friend that you share it with. And can I just say, many of you have given over the last year, even two years, to this project. Like, just just from my heart, I mean, from our team's heart, from our board's heart, but just from my heart, thank you. Thank you. Because somebody is going to download one of those videos and, like, hear their dad's name. (laughs) Or hear how they can reconcile with somebody that they've known for so long. Somebody is going to stream one of those things. Somebody is going to come to one of those places where we're actually going to be able to use this to multiply equipping services so that more people can get to know God through his word and a community of Christ followers and say, that was my invitation. Because all of us sitting here, somebody went before us. Somebody gave to be able to make this place possible so that we could come and sit in these seats this morning and say, God, what do you want to say? So can I just say thank you for being part of that? Please continue to be a part of that. I mean, there, there are definitely ongoing costs that go with it, but a lot of times we get to talk about, hey, here are the costs and here's what we need. And I just want you to hear, thank you. In Jesus' name, thank you. Because this is what he said he came to do. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Like, that's the final point that Jesus puts on this whole story of this man, Zacchaeus. That's why I'm here. That's what the Messiah is for, to seek and to save what was lost. So I don't know where you come up short this morning. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if it's something in an area of trust. I don't know if it's something in an area of lust. After a woman or a man or money or things. I don't know if it's an area of anger. If it's an area of comparison or gossip. I don't know what it is. I know what it is for me. And I know that for every one of us, we have come up short. 
And there's a place in which we can just own that, that that can be normal, that we can accept that that's true. But we also don't want to stay there. So I'd encourage you, climb that tree. Because you're not the only one in this room that's dealing with that thing. In fact, you know, in a message like this, when you think of lists like those, probably most of the things I mentioned today is because they're mine. That's why I think of them. Because they were mine, because I had to climb that tree. Because Jesus invited me that way to come and talk to him. And there is real freedom from all of it. There's real freedom. Zacchaeus found real freedom from selfishness to generosity. From wondering to knowing who Jesus is. So I'll just ask you, have you heard the one about Zacchaeus? Have you heard the one about Jesus? Have you heard the one about the one who came to seek and save? Let's pray. Father, it is in Jesus' name that we are so thankful to you. God, I thank you that you seek us. Lord, I think of so many pages in the Bible that remind us how we are like stray sheep, but you are the shepherd who comes after us because you love us so deeply. Lord, I pray wherever that is that we come up short, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would hear you clearly, that we would respond like Zacchaeus did, and that your fame and your glory would just spread from this place. God, I thank you for the generosity even of just people here in this room. I lift them to you, Lord, and ask that you would bless them, that you would multiply that for them. And that, God, even as we go out from this room today, we would take you with us, that you would lead us everywhere we go. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you go, I just want to remind you, Easter is coming up. And one of the easiest ways to offer a friend a personal invitation is those Easter services. Um, Tickets are available. You do need a ticket for that. Uh, And those are at the table um, out by the fireplace. But the other thing I want to remind you is that there is an egg drop out of a helicopter in the petting zoo at the Saturday services. You need tickets for that as well, but that's one of the easiest things to invite a friend to is Easter service, maybe, helicopter egg drop. Yeah, let's do that. So if you want to know more about that, head out to the table, grab those tickets, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for coming.